Hello and welcome to week six of the Argumentation and Debate podcast. My name is Ryan Gertenbach and today I will be covering an article from Anderson named Dissociation and Visual Arguments, Creating Customers for Levy's Real Jewish Rye. So to start off uh, in this article, Anderson uh, describes the 1960s advertisement from a Jewish bakery in New York called Levi's and how in their advertisement they emphasize the fact that their customers do not need to be Jewish in order to enjoy their delicious rye bread. And in this advertisement they included people of all races tasting their sandwiches or tasting sandwiches on their bread and sure enough they eventually became the top sellers of rye bread in the city. So this kind of goes to show the uh, powerful impact of visual arguments. And so then Anderson goes over some approaches to understanding and kind of dissecting these visual arguments through the lens of rhetoricians. One of them he mentions, mentions are Blair, who claims that images can argue something, but not to the extent that text does. However, uh, the approach that I agreed with the most came from Fleckenstein and Wysocki, and that is the fact that images and texts work together in a rhetorical sense. Um, I personally believe this, and I think that the Jewish Rye advertisement advocates for this theory, uh, showing that if you carefully choose the right pictures and words to go with them, that you can use the image to your advantage to gain the attention of viewers or in this case audience and so after these three arguments Anderson goes into his own fourth approach which first talks about dissociation uh, the process of changing out one term in order to maintain the value of another so he shows us examples using uh, philosophical pairs and then he applies these pairs to the Jewish uh, the Jewish rye ad where uh, different scenarios, or in this case, ethnicities, were input into these philosophical pairs in order to expand their buyers. Uh, I also just thought it was really interesting to see um, our recent lesson on claim, support, and warrant. Uh, That was talked about Anderson, and he actually used the Jewish Rye uh, ad as an example. So in this case, the claim, uh, you know, you you not being jewish should buy our bread the support being everyone not just jews love our bread and then the warrant would be you know the video or images of the different ethnicities uh enjoying their bread and so this kind of goes to show the fact that uh dissociation is a way for breaking the stereotypical associations of our society and creating new ones instead Um, So to kind of recap this article, I thought it was, you know, really eye-opening in the way that different advertisers use dissociation to break barriers by redefining our reality and, you know, inserting um, or altering it to convey to viewers. And so, you know, Anderson really broke down those philosophical pairs and how the, uh, you know, the advertisers used that in order to expand their business so it's real i thought that was really interesting you know that's not something you would think of an advertise advertisers doing but it is 
and it goes to show that there are methods for everything and that stuff does not just come up out of the blue. It, there's a method or a formula for everything. And so overall, I just thought this article was very cur- current in the fact that it talked about the power of stereotypes in ads and how advertisers think to themselves, you know, what will the audience think if I put this person in there or this, you know, stuff like that. Um, and this is something that is extremely prevalent in today's society of advertisement. And, you know, I thought the Jewish rye bread example was something we see in everyday television. Um, you know, you could see a certain ethnicity in a car commercial. Well, if someone sees that ethnicity buying a car, it goes to show that, you know, everyone should buy their car. And it really just goes to show how images and words work together to convey an overall image, each facet needing the other just as much. Thank you. Hello, Mr. Dicker. Uh, Welcome to week seven, I believe, of my Argumentation and Debate podcast. Uh, Today, I will be going over the Harold and DeLuca article. Um, I actually had trouble finding the other one on Blackboard, so I guess I'm just going to, you know, go over this one and kind of share my thoughts on it. Uh, So right off the bat, um, this article talks about Emmett Till, who was a 14-year-old boy um, in 1955 who was off on vacation uh, for a few weeks to visit relatives. Um, And then one day he went into a store to buy gum from a lady who was the wife of the shopkeeper. Um, And him and his friends thought it would be funny if uh, Emmett, you know, flirted with the girl. And... um, you know, eventually he was inexcusably tortured and murdered by that girl's husband and uh, his half-brother. And the part, of, the part of the story that really struck out to me um, was the powerful language used in this article um, to describe the killing and um, his mother's reaction to his uh, corpse, you know, in the open casket. Um, I had previously heard of this story, but um, I looked up a picture and, I mean, it's breathtaking um, and it really just makes your stomach, um, you know, churn. It's, it's, It's a horrific event and I think it really shows how, you know, even today we can all look back at this traumatic event and reflect on our nation's stained past and even our even present day society how we've come so far but still have so far to go um and i think you know as they talked about in the article you know this picture of this um you know innocent boy it really it just is a representation of white supremacy in the past and how how ugly it really what it goes to symbolize how ugly racial violence is and so in this article um you know the author kind of talks about how the meaning of bodies or in this case Emmett's body is really um you know a potent source of rhetorical power and they they talk about how um you know, once blacks were free, um, 
during Jim Crow, um, you know, it made it made the all the white people, um, for many of them, all that more angry to control them. And, you know, unfortunately, lynching was the most violent instrument of control. And, you know, looking back, these, you know, these lynchings were kind of used by these white people as, you know, symbol, symbols, you know, they, they just left them there as a representation of they, that they have the power and, you know, coming from a white person, I mean, it's, it's honestly makes, makes you feel ashamed and, and, um, you know, in the article, they talk about how in, at the time, um, when this was taken to court, um, you know, it was an all white jury and that the people facilitating the case, um, you know, told them to stay in there for an hour, uh, just to make it look good. But, you know, they had already made up their mind that they wanted to, you know, not give these guys any type of punishment that they deserve. And that's just kind of how it went back then. They got to do, they got away with so many brutal things just because of their skin color. Um, yeah, and it's, it's awful. I mean, this was a, such a powerful article and I'm definitely interested and, you know, I'm, I'm think I'm going to watch a documentary about it because I want to learn more and, it's just, it's just, honestly, I, it's, it's very hard to put into words, you know, the emotions that I felt, um, throughout this article and looking at the picture. Um, so I'm running out of time here, but those are my thoughts on this article and I will see you tomorrow.